0: This is the Future of Digital Art podcast, brought to you by Sachi Art. This show is dedicated to empowering emerging artists by helping them better understand how they can use technology to expand their art offerings. In each episode, we'll interview successful NFT artists, collectors, and digital art influencers. They'll share insights on how the art world is changing, how they got involved in digital art, art NFTs, the creator economy, and actionable advice that you can use to grow your portfolio and win at the future of digital art. I'm your host, Capucine Jenkins, curator of digital art and NFTs at Saatchi Art. And let's dive right into the show we have planned for you today. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Digital Art podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Colburn Bell. Thanks for chatting with me today, Colburn. want to introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Sure, absolutely. My name is Colburn Bell. I'm the founder and director of the Museum of Crypto Arts.
0: Great. Well, we're excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little more about your background and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, sure. I've wound a career through traditional finance and and social impact, actually landing in blockchain and cryptocurrency industry for the past six years. I did all the investment banking I could take, which was about six months. I went (laughs) from there, you know, thought finance was (laughs) a total sham, wanted to save the world. Did two and a half years at the United Nations Capital Development Fund, building an infrastructure bank in East Africa. Got crushed by the bureaucracy there and wanted to go back into private markets. So I joined a wealth management firm founded by Vegan Buddhists. And then left after two and a half years to run the US family office for a foreign family, doing more angel and in venture investing, especially around energy. And it was during that time at the family office that I found cryptocurrency and was kind of well, I created two businesses during I guess that would have been seventeen. In parallel to that, and you know, was always involved and an investor and in April of twenty twenty the Museum of Crypto Art was born.
0: Wow, really cool. It sounds like you've had a pretty eclectic <laughs> professional life. Do you feel as if you were following your passions or there does seem to be a theme of kind of entering into spaces to see where you could to birth the space in a little bit, in a little way?
1: It's always been about leveraging capital for impact, right? And once you start to begin to understand (laughs) similarly the, the rules of the traditional financial system, it is not as flexible to change as one might imagine. So it was really when I kind of found this, I guess, alternative financial architecture that allowed money to be moved more, or I guess, let's say value to be transferred more freely is when I really I guess, found the architecture for change that I was looking for.
0: Great. Leveraging capital for impact. That's great. So have you collected art before, prior to NFTs at any point? Like traditional physical art? No. (laughs) And you had no desire to?
1: Absolutely not.
0: (laughs) And and why is that?
1: (laughs) I was living a life of constant motion. You know, people kind of speak of this, (laughs) like, <laughs> you know, there's very clearly like a major change in taste and preferences, I would say, compared to a traditional art collector. I would have, you know, and I generally don't have any desire to participate in the maintenance and upkeep of a uh, physical artwork. Okay. And I get just as much enjoyment from seeing it on my computer screen, on my phone, especially in VR, mm-hmm. as I generally do uh, from having it on my wall.
0: Great. So how would you describe the state of digital art right now?
1: I would probably describe it as in crisis. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't speak for all of digital art. I generally just speak for this niche of NFTs, which I have uh, carved myself into of crypto art. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine digital artists are probably in crisis.
0: Oh, why would you say that?
1: That's interesting. Well, I would say that because I think many are lost and confused and not creating very natively to something that I imagine is more complex and foreign to them, being NFTs. So I see just like a lot of really rushed, unintentional projects. I see a lot of people looking to use it more as like an, <laughs> an archival solution or going back and uploading old work. and. And frankly, it just, it becomes such a unintentional and uninteresting
0: mess. I see. You mean NFT creators and artists and kind of their approach to working right now. I'm curious about maybe native digital artists. You know, for a long time, they were considered new media artists, probably in the 70s and 80s and kind of transitioned into, I guess, contemporarily digital artists who work exclusively online or on a computer what do you think about them and their journey like do you see them coming into the nft space as an advantage can you see there be advantages for them coming in
1: i think it's advantageous of course from a market perspective Mm -hmm. but generally from an art perspective it's totally uninteresting i think it's great that digital artists now suddenly have a chance to access in more open and broad markets but i think a lot of people got sold you know, a lie that they would be able to come here and like the streets were paved with gold and everybody was making a ton of money. The fact of the matter is is that the collectors are, are smaller, they're less likely generally to care about the work. I mean, the number of true art collectors in this space, you can count on your hands. I think that a lot of people, you know, very much rushed into a space, they had no idea what was going on. And I think, The fallout from that is going to be felt. This is a very similar story to what happened in 2017 with the ICO boom. I, I see a lot of lessons learned in parallel, and I've been very vocal about kind of warning people of the consequences and effects of this for the past year.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something that I've seen with physical artists, painters, you know, artists working in more traditional mediums they seem to feel pressure to start using NFTs. Like that seems to be in their minds and maybe the people, the authorities around them, art authorities around them have kind of perhaps pressured them into it, but they really do seem to feel a need to at least know what an NFT is and to work with NFTs as though they're a new medium. So yeah, that's really interesting that you point that out because in some ways I can see that they are in crisis when it comes to their artistic practice. So you mentioned collectors, and you also mentioned that they're a smaller population than we think that they are. <laughs> um, what do you think about this idea that the creators in the space are also the collectors?
1: It's very interesting. It used to have more weights in the beginning. This was very cultural. You know, this was a lot of the reason why the space was so successful in the beginning, is that there was an incredible, like, flow-down effect from sales. So. You know, a $1,000 sale in the beginning was huge. And generally, it was like traditional cultural for, you know, that artist to then go and spend, gosh, at least like half of that on several other artists. And then those artists would go and support. So there was like this, a real trickle down effect. And then as the money increased for whatever reason, that culture was lost. And then people, of course, like notoriously sold all his Ethereum and never bought anything. And that was kind of perhaps like the nail in the coffin.
0: Okay. So that was kind of this culture that was lost. You said, why do you think that that happened? For me, I've sort of seen it as, you know, artists relatively recently sort of taking that on because of a bear market, et cetera. But you're saying it was sort of before people. Uh, Why do you think that was happening?
1: Well, I mean, it was very obvious, you know, because we had a collectivist approach that was not centered around money, but it was centered around ideals, mm-hmm. right? So if, you know, one artist sold something, well, you know, the money was not so much. Nobody particularly was living on it at the time. It was all a big experiment, right? So just to, again, like, have more of that shared validity of medium, shared validity of practice... With the artists as the curators kind of pointing to collectors, what they thought was important, who they thought was creating interesting work. And then all of this being like public and transparent. Well, that has a very virtuous effect in like propagating the whole ecosystem. Really everything changed after people because suddenly you had, you know, very much an outsider coming into the system with a more individualist approach. Doing things more for themselves without kind of any idea of the way this culture was and behaved, but kind of porting over, you know, whatever 25 years of lessons that he learned outside of this, not being like very blockchain native and not being native to the space. And then, of course, you have like this cascading effect of venture capital firms, A16Z. All of these Hollywood producers and storytellers Mm -hmm. and more traditional players, obviously like Christie's and Sotheby's Down, Mm -hmm. that had no idea what was going on, but they were porting old mindset in. And, you know, that mindset is inherently like Capitalist and Web 2.
0: Sure. (laughs) So we've sort of touched on this a little bit already, but what are the biggest challenges you faced in collecting and curating digital art?
1: you know there are several people out there that are much more financially equipped perhaps and would never lose an auction so you just you know you fall in love with things that you can never acquire and there are a handful of collectors out there with just master tastes and and master collections there's there's nobody that will ever be able to even come close there were no challenges with curating it was always it was always fun
0: Find that's so interesting. Collectors with master taste. So when I hear that, you know, I come from a traditional art world. When I hear that, I always think of collectors in a sense being authorities of taste, like they're tastemakers. And so there's a precedence for that, right? Do you think there could be, or that's forming right now of people having, and essentially you're creating a museum, but that there will be authorities or authorities are forming in a way that you could identify an NFT or digital art collector as being a quote unquote master of taste?
1: For sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: How long do you think that'll be until
1: <laughs> they exist? They exist.
0: This is your opportunity to plug.
1: <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Up, I don't even want to because I, apparently, like, I know that. <laughs> you know, that now that suddenly feels like something that I know. No, I mean, there are like some of the earliest, best collectors in my mind. Token Angels, Moderates Art, Basileus. There were really about like five or six collectors of art in the beginning. And those three really stand out and have been consistent over time and kind of like supporting and and growing the ecosystem.
0: Great. Do you think that maybe more recently DAOs have taken on I guess collective
1: no, DAOs in general are like the joke in the space is that like the only thing slower than a museum is a DAO. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. DAOs are generally, generally marketing bullies. You yeah. know, it's always, always individuals. Individuals move way faster, are way better collectors than any sort of collective. And frankly have more money.
0: Also, why do you think that is? Is it maybe prioritizing governing styles or not having a clear call
1: i mean it's just like how many dows are actually interested in arts like there, like shout out fingerprint dow. you know but even then like most dows are here from an investment lens
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's individuals that are patrons and they want to see these artists grow mm-hmm. and they really don't care about the money None of this has anything to do with DAOs either, right? The space is, like, so buzzy with these abstract words that people, like, understand in principle, but they don't have the time to, like, dive into, and you are actually, like, in this and immersed, like, no, DAOs don't work. But they're marketing juggernauts because there's a thousand people that say they're in this DAO. Mm
0: -hmm. So, to pivot... (laughs) What excites you about digital art right now? Um, the silence says. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I haven't seen anything on the art side that has been particularly exciting in a while, and I think that is directly correlated to like obsession with the market, creator fatigue. People working on timelines that are way too short. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of the drop, right? Let's like just drop something and release it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just general noise. So what excites me is, is frankly like a clearing out of the space and a, and a return to intent and purpose.
0: So even in, you know, virtual, are you seeing maybe that being executed a little better even in virtual spaces or...
1: I'll say what actually excites me and encourages me is that, you know, we've built a suite of open free curation tools for people and since kind of the broad market crash, I think beginning in March, you know, the activity on our tools has doubled. So I think people that, you know, care and people that have come into the space and people that, you know, are collecting are like beginning to... Like curate and get more involved with their collection and kind of think about what (laughs) you know think about the consequences and ramifications of what they've done Mm -hmm. Um, so that to me is interesting and exciting I'd say.
0: So five years from now where do you think the future of digital art will be and what will it look like?
1: Again we're speaking about something I have no conception of right? (laughs) I exist again in this niche of something that I I call crypto art. So, I mean, obviously... A
0: better question, since five years does seem pretty far in the future, a year from now, or six months from now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm never, ever going to, like, get up and speak to digital art broadly, Mm. right? I have no concept, and frankly, I have no interest, right? The only thing that really interests me was in how do we like reappropriate the mainstream narrative of what cryptocurrency is away from like Lambos, Moonboys, you know, money launderers and drug dealers, right? How do we present a set of visual symbols, iconography that speaks to like underlying philosophies and principles of why I choose cryptocurrency and why I choose blockchain and why that's a better value transfer mechanism and why like, you know, open access networks in which anybody in the world with internet connection can get into <laughs> why that is more creatively interesting than like a traditional Western white male dominated art canon. Mm. Um, this is all about like the onboarding of global voices and diversity through blockchain as that mechanism. So again, I'm very uninterested in what traditional artists do with NFTs because generally they approach it from a market perspective, but I'm much more interested what like that 20 year old in Indonesia who's been drawing in his bedroom for the past eight years is bringing and putting online, right? Or that like the queer woman in Kenya who is like beginning to share her practice with the world like this is stuff that I would have never seen in the Chelsea galleries that I was exposed to that I never had like and it's starting to speak to the idea of the world as like a much smaller and more interesting place because there are no gatekeepers kind of defining what is art
0: mm. so last question what are the top three pieces of advice you have for artists who are just getting started with digital art and that could essentially be those self-taught artists from all around the world or NFT creators in general.
1: One, I would say, like, don't be your own curator. Let the internet be your curator. You know, I am very much fascinated by, like, the little b process of creation, right? Where you just make mixtape after mixtape after mixtape. You've maybe released, like, 50 mixtapes in a year. And then you just let people go through it and curate it. There is really no cap to what you can create digitally. So, you know, I think forcing scarcity upon yourself and, and like forcing a scarcity mindset is generally harmful to your growth and evolution. So just like create, 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 release, 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 and grow, grow, grow.
0: Well, that's all we have time to cover today. Um, but before we wrap, If people want to follow your journey, where should they go?
1: You know, they can definitely go to the Museum of Crypto Art website. That's www.museumofcryptoart.com. We have a decentralized application, which is app.museumofcryptoart.com. You can find us on Twitter at Museum of Crypto. You can find me on Twitter at C-O-1-B-O-R-N. We have Instagram. They can come into the Discord. Anywhere that you are, we are. That is certain.
0: Oh, well, thanks again. And let's keep in touch.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Future of Digital Art podcast brought to you by Saatchi Art. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Saatchi Art's first ever art NFT collection, The Other Avatars, or to engage with Saatchi Art as an artist, please visit www dot com forward slash nft thanks and i'll catch you again on the next episode